to the Starting With One podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Our goal is to provide our audience with interesting, relevant information on Canadian healthcare, financial and estate planning issues, and running a business. With each episode, Robin and Al will be exploring topics that matter to you. Starting With One is built off of our experience that we enhance the lives of many starting with one. Every great story that we get to share all started with one phone call, one conversation, or one meeting. These are the stories that make us very proud to do what we do, and it all starts with one. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, along with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Hey, Al. Hi, Robin. A pleasure as always. Yeah, I can't believe we're we we're talking a little bit before we started the show today. It's the end of summer. This and what a summer a it's bit, been. <laughs> what a summer it's been, and, and it's it's a little bit different. My wife and I always celebrate the end of summer by going to the CNE, going down to the X. We take the GO train down to the CNE and walk through the midway and do all the wrong things like the, the deep fried Twinkies and all those things. So this is the first time in a long time we're not doing that. So it's certainly been an interesting summer. Well, I hope everyone has been enjoying the summer and, and keeping healthy and safe. We're all going through a different time in our lives and it's certainly an interesting time. And like a lot of businesses, when COVID-19 showed up earlier this year, Al, Joe and I had to make some really tough decisions and, and make them very quickly. And I know a lot of our business owner clients had to do the same. And part of that decision was to move some of our team, not all of our team at some point, to working remote. And further, we had to get a lot better at using our technology since we were no longer all at the office. And I think we can safely say that today's guest is an expert in both working remote as well as leveraging technology to grow your business. Welcome to the show, Michael Clark, COO of Toronto-based software firm Market Circle. Welcome, Mike. Great. Thanks. Nice to uh, be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to chat with you. Uh, we've chatted a lot offline, and it's it's good to get you on the show. And I'm just going to do a real quick bio, if that's okay, before we get started. Yep. Mike joined Market Circle way back in 1999 and led the development team until 2017, when he took on the COO role to help lead the firm's pivot to SaaS. I'm going to be asking you a little more about that later. Great to have you with us, Mike. Great. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, I've got to tell a really quick story before we get started about how we met, because I really think it speaks to the power of technology. So we'll get to it a bit later in the episode, but Al and I use a CRM software here provided by Mike's company. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. We've been using it since we started the firm back in 2005. And I think, Al, how many conversations have we had talking about how incredible this software was? But we, for years, we knew we were just scratching the surface when it came to its capabilities. So what, I'm going to say six weeks ago, Al, I go onto YouTube. I find these incredible videos done by yourself, Mike, and your VP of marketing, Christy. So, of course, I share the video with my business partners, and they agree, hey, this is great stuff. And it's currently helped me to rebuild one of our internal processes. So... I was so impressed with these videos. I reached out to your VP to compliment your team on the video. And one thing leads to another. And here you are on our podcast now to tell what I think is a really cool story about your firm. So really cool how we got connected. So glad you're here. So with that, let's get started. Mike, I'd like to talk about working as a remote company because you have expertise in that area, I, I think. But first, can you tell us a little bit more about your firm, how you get started, and when that pivot happened? Sure. Yeah. So. We got started in 1999, as you mentioned earlier. Our founder, AJ, started the company summerish time in 99. I joined in, in the fall, in the late fall. 
with him. And we were a dot-com play at the time. We were, if you think of eBay, we were similar to eBay, but instead of auction, we were a negotiation. So you could negotiate for items you'd put up for sale, which we felt was a much more natural way to sell something than an auction. You know, you'd barter at uh, garage sales or, you know, a lot of the world works in that way. So we were uh, trying to get that dot-com off the ground. We were a little bit late to the game. You know, he, AJ was in California looking for funding as the bubble was bursting, which was an interesting uh, experience for him. It just did not work out for us on that first attempt. So we um, pivoted back then in 2000 into a consulting firm. You know, we really enjoyed working together. We had a very similar kind of core values. He also had taken some early money from friends and family in an early funding round, and we wanted to be able to pay that back. So we did consulting for a while, had one really large client that did um, case studies. So they would get hired by a company to come in and do case studies, and we wrote them a large publishing system. And as we were going about the consulting company, we started to see a need in the market, and that was a... CRM type application for small businesses, specifically at the time on Apple's ecosystem. If you remember back in those days, Mac OS X was brand new and it was built on the pedigree of Next, Next System. So I might be getting a little bit too geeky here, but uh, <laughs> AJ had a lot of history on Next. In that environment, he, he'd been working for, for years on creating software. So we were able to leverage his expertise there to start building daylight on this new operating system Apple was launching called, called Mac OS X. And so that's kind of how daylight became. It was actually a tool we were starting to build to help us manage our clients in our consulting firm. We actually got some prodding from Apple. We were at a Macworld demonstrating daylight as a technology on top of a database. And someone at Apple had seen it and really pushed us to start selling that product. And it was through that that we decided to, okay, let's pivot again and become a a product-based company and and slowly wind down the consulting. So in those early days, AJ was working on Daylight and building that out and getting that to market while I was still running the consulting side of things, keeping the lights on. And so I think Daylight shipped in 2002, version 1.0. And we ran that for many, many years until 2015 when we pivoted again into a SaaS-based company. One of our passions as a company and as founders is helping small businesses, really helping small businesses get good at uh, running their business and taking some of the pain of running the business off of them so they can focus more on doing the actual things they love doing, the reason why they started their business. And so part of running daylight was all this technical kind of stuff to run the server. You know, you'd have to have a machine for the server. You'd have to worry about backups and networking and going to SaaS allowed us to take all of that away and manage that for all our customers and let them just download the application, log in and get working, you know, spend more time on their business as opposed to managing daylight. So that's where we are today. We are now completely a SaaS business. We're no more perpetual licensing and uh, we're still offering daylight to customers such as yourselves. Well, as you know, we're big fans. And, and of course, the more we, we learn, the more we like, obviously. And, and that's why it's so been so great chatting with you and your team. 
I really credit, I'm going back in our history, and your history is very interesting. I didn't know uh, about that for daylight, and, and we've been using daylight for a long time, so I didn't know that about your history. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I will give Al credit. I wish I could take credit. But when, when Al and I became business partners back in 2005, Al you know, really pushed to make us a Mac-based firm. And you'd probably relate, at the time, certain applications, especially in the financial world, weren't necessarily built for Mac. So there, there were some challenges in the beginning, but I've been very happy ever since. And of course, you know, it's how we found daylight. And based on the history, for us getting involved in 2005, sounds like we were early on to your, uh, your firm as well. So that's been a great relationship. I want to shift a little bit. I want to talk about working remote because your, your team were really early adopters to working remote offline. You had chatted about, you, you had done this about 10 years ago. And so while the rest of us were scrambling earlier this year, you guys had already been there. And so I don't know if you hit as much of a, an issue or problem that a lot of us have. I was hoping you could share some of the learnings that, you know, for companies who are looking to make a similar move or had to have made that move recently, maybe you can share some of the mistakes or, or learnings that you've made over the years. Right. Yeah. Well, we definitely had the luxury of dipping our toes into that and and slowly getting into the pool, so to speak, over those 10 years. You know, we, we dabbled a little bit with mainly the engineering team at first, a couple of days a week, just with the thought of giving them the ability to have some more distraction-free time to think and to work. You know, in the office, it can be a little bit distracting. So that's kind of how that ball got started and started rolling for us. And then, as you said, uh, we went completely remote about four or five years ago now, which turns out to be lucky. (laughs) So one of the things I think, looking back in retrospect, that we didn't quite appreciate early on in in that transition um, is that many of the business practices that make for great businesses, remote or not, I think become that much more important when you are remote. A lot of the things that you you can get by with ad hoc in an office setting, you have to make sure you're very deliberate about those things when you go remote. You lose some of the ability to have things happen serendipitously or you know you can just sort of manage things a little bit more ad hoc in the office. Communication, planning, driving alignment, culture, all these types of things, you have to be very deliberate about them when you go remote. And I think going into it with that mindset can maybe shift how people are looking at at making that transition. So thinking about some lessons that we learned, one thing was that when we rolled out new tools to help us with that transition, this this is a bit more recently when we went full remote, we didn't give people a lot of guidance on how to use those tools. Slack is a great example. Slack is integral to us keeping in communication internally. And we rolled that out a few years ago, but we didn't give people any guidance on how to use it. So it really became wild, wild west, right? People were creating channels left, right, and center. People were talking way too much privately as opposed to publicly. And so we would have been better off rolling that out with a little bit of guidance behind it so that people knew how we expected them to use the tool. And you can kind of see this with various tools that we've rolled out internally. We could have put a little bit more thought and effort into that up front. And then just generally, you know, when you're going remote and you're using tools like this to communicate, you're not face-to-face all the time. Having really good communication etiquette is important. I think when you're communicating over text, it's very easy to 
miss a lot of context that you get in person, like from body language and just the way people are saying things that it's very easy for people to take things the wrong way. So I think we could have also put a little bit more deliberate effort into training people on how to think about communicating in a remote environment. And that might have smoothed over a few earlier issues. So I think from the last couple of years, those would be the things I would call out as things we could have gone, I would go back and do a little bit differently. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to your videos and, and anyone listening, I encourage to go and even if you're not using daylight, you're using a CRM, just watch these videos because the tips, the one that I stole almost immediately when the person that I deal with most, my assistant during the day, exactly what you said in the office, it was just so easy to walk up to Debbie's desk and we're chatting and, and, and we had a really good level of communication in the office. And all of a sudden we didn't have that anymore. You know, Debs remote and, and feeling isolated. And I watched the video on the daily huddle. Mm -hmm. And talk about being efficient. Deb and I, the first time we tried it, we didn't hit our 15-minute max. We hit 24. Mm -hmm. But as we started doing the daily huddle and, and, and realized, okay, this is what we have to be prepared for every morning when we do it, we got down to sub-15 minutes every single time. Now it's we average about 11 minutes a day. But it just sets up the day so we know exactly what has to happen. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's the priority today. And you're right, even just implementing that little piece of communication has paid mm -hmm. huge dividends. And now I tried to move the, the daily huddle from every day to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. And uh, my assistant Debbie says, well, can we still do that? Because I, I really like that because I, I like to check in with you and know where you are. So I think you're right. Tools like that and the, keeping those lines of communication, whether it's the daily huddle, whether it's using Slack properly, are going to pay huge dividends. Yeah. I guess as a follow-up question, I'd kind of like to pick your brain on, do you see advantages to being remote over having people in the office, you know, people walking around? Or maybe maybe I'll even ask the question, are there disadvantages? Yeah, sure. I think I think there is both. I mean, it's it, there's pros and cons to working in an office and there's pros and cons to going remote. I think some of the cons are things I already highlighted, which is just be more deliberate about various aspects of running the business, maintaining culture and the connections between everybody. Uh, is very difficult and you have to be deliberate about following through on that especially in a small business setting where it often feels like a little bit of an extended family and you feel some of your social needs at the office and through your work absolutely so you, ha you have to figure out ways to overcome that and then communication generally just you have to be very disciplined about it you have to make sure that you're setting a schedule on when you're going to communicate and how you're going to communicate to make sure that people stay aligned. You know, like the other side benefit to the one-on-one -on -one that you're having every day or the huddle every day is it reminds people that they're a part of a team and it helps fight feeling isolated. Before you were doing that, you probably was feeling isolated and not having that connection with you. So even that 15 minutes is just a great reminder that, yeah, we're in this together. We're all working on the same thing and trying to push it forward. So I think those are some of the cons. It just takes more effort to do some of the things that came naturally or more easily in the office. But I think there's a lot of pros as well. For the individual it can help with your work-life balance, which is maybe a weird thing to say. Some people might look at this as a con, but it gives you flexibility, I think, in your schedule, right? So if you were somebody who had a very long commute, maybe you were commuting, you know, like here in Toronto, a lot of people have hour-long commutes in and out. You don't have to do that anymore. Instead of spending an hour sitting in the car, you can maybe spend an hour having breakfast with the family or you're going to be available to the family much sooner in the evening. So it can help with work-life balance in that way. Also, in terms of flexibility, because you're set up to work at home, 
if you need to pop out for a personal appointment or something's coming up, you can deal with that and still get back to work later. You can make up and catch up in the evening, for example. So I think it helps you sort of juggle things a little bit better in your work life. From a business point of view, I think it has quite a few advantages. One that we've been tapping into is access to more talent. So it Mm. really grows the pool of people that you can attract to work for you. You don't have to just look locally. You can look throughout the entire country. We look throughout Canada, finding people to join our team. We want to eventually start broadening out globally. So it helps you find the talent you need. It makes it a little bit easier, I think. Another advantage to the business, obviously, you don't need to have an office. It's a little bit less overhead. So you can divert those funds into other things that will help you move the business forward, maybe advertising, maybe growing the team. We're just in the middle of a transition. Actually, we're closing down our office. We had planned to open another office at the same time, but given what's going on in the world, we're putting that on hold. But that's going to give us some extra capital to reinvest in the business in other areas. So I think it's a balancing act. There are definitely pros and cons. I'm definitely in the side that thinks there's more pros than cons to working remotely. But yeah, I think that you definitely have to highlight those pros and really drive those home, I think, really get the benefits out of those. You've touched a little bit uh, on this already, but one of the things I think in talking with other business owners in terms of working remotely and not being in the office, how do you go about creating and maintaining a positive corporate culture? I mean, everyone has a corporate culture and they, they want to build it. And a lot of times that's done organically from being in the office, but without being around in the office, how do you guys uh, build that culture and maintain it when, again, when most of your employees or all of your employees now are, are remote? Before you answer, I just want to paraphrase from a Benefits Canada article I was reading from this month's issue, because I think Every business owner is struggling with this, and I'll I'll paraphrase, but it it goes on to say, company culture is generally recognized as an integral part of how employees view and value their employees and the workplace. And then it goes on further to say how difficult it is to instill and reinforce the team and company culture when I don't see my colleagues face-to-face every day. Emails and text messages can be misconstrued, tones misunderstood, and with all the added pressures, it can be difficult to actually realize that a colleague may have too much on their plate. So I think everyone is struggling with this. So we would love to hear your thoughts on this one. So I think this is definitely one of those areas where you can get by without pushing it too hard when you're in the office, but you have to be more deliberate about it when you're going remote. So I think the first step there is really defining what your culture is. And this was not something we did early on. It's one of the things I would have done much sooner in the life of our business was really zoning in on what is our culture? what is important to us as a business and business owners that we want to see living in our business and identifying that recording that down i think is the most important first step identifying your core values i mentioned core values earlier like giving very specific direction to what your expectations are from a cultural standpoint in the business is important so everybody kind of knows what the playing field is you want a level playing field across all your people so defining it and having these tools and core values i think is the first step then thinking of ways to make sure that they're being lived every day again really i think comes down to discipline in the leadership team one thing that we do is in slack we have something called a props channel 
And we encourage everybody there to keep an eye on what's going on with core value. So if, for example, someone helps a teammate on a project or on something that's kind of not within their purview, but they needed some help and they kind of went above and beyond, then that person will get called out in our props channel. They'll get a teamwork prop which is one of our core values is teamwork. So you'll see these props every day. Now you see props coming into this channel of people highlighting how everyone is living our core values. And that really, I think is root to our culture of making sure, you know, teamwork, everybody's willing to help each other and, and work as a team. Uh, creativity is another one of our core values. So people are getting highlighted when they're thinking of creative ways to solve problems or improve things at the business, and whatnot. So I think thinking up ways to be deliberate about making sure everyone is living them in, in that kind of way is important there. So Mike, then on top of just what you just talked about corporate culture, how do you keep the lines of communication open among the team to ensure that your firm is working towards a common goal? Well, I think, again, this starts with the leadership team and driving that down and making sure that there's alignment throughout the business. It starts, I think, down with doing regular planning and making sure the leadership team is aligned, which is, again, one of those things that good businesses just generally do, but becomes much more important when you're remote so that you can have effective communication on terms of your goals. And like most businesses, we plan quarterly. We have quarterly objectives and priorities. And we want to make sure that everybody understands what those are so that they can make sure that the things they're doing on the day-to-day are helping us get towards that success. And so we need to make sure that the leadership team is properly aligned and we have these things identified. And then we built a little bit more structure in the business in terms of hierarchy, in terms of the hierarchy of the company to make sure that we had identified team leads or department managers, because they're going to play a really important role in helping us continually communicate because they're going to be meeting with their teams much more regularly than we will holistically throughout the company. So we quarterly meet with them to make sure that they understand what we have set down as our goals for the quarter and what we're trying to achieve. And the reason why that's really important is because we can help them understand how their teams can play a role there and help us succeed at the end of the quarter or the year, however you're looking at it. But they can also then take the more general communication and deliver it to their teams in ways that it's going to be relatable, gives them the context of the piece of the puzzle that they're playing. So making sure that that level of management is also properly aligned is really important. And then it's just a lot of repetition. A lot of communication for us is repetition. So when we kick off a quarter, we have an all-hands session. Everybody in the company gets in right now a Zoom call, and we do sort of like kind of like a webinar uh, to the whole company explaining the goals at a high level. And then the management team backfills that in and makes sure that everyone understands in their scope what that means and how they're going to help us achieve these goals. And then we meet you know, the whole company every month. And we reinforce uh, the next two months in the quarter, what we're trying to achieve, make sure everyone's still kind of aligned and understands what we're trying to do. And then KPIs also play a really important part here, I think, in communicating is clearly identifying some key KPIs that we want to measure that we feel will show that we're being successful in what we're trying to achieve and highlighting those continually in our communications throughout the company, in our all hands presentations, We do internal newsletters every month to make sure that we're highlighting the work the teams are doing towards the goals and how we're doing towards achieving those goals. So I think really making sure that everyone stays aligned through this communication and constant repetition is really important 
especially in a remote company to make sure that everyone's working towards that, that common goal. That's great, Mike. We've touched on culture. We've talked on the, the lines of communication. Again, I'm, I'm going to think from our own situation, the other thing that a lot of business owners would be concerned about working remotely is, hey, when, when people are in the office, you know, you can, you can walk around the office, you can make sure that people are, are doing their jobs and, and, and everything like that. But obviously, if people are working remotely, that goes away. So in terms of productivity, can you talk a little bit about how it is that you measure that, how you monitor that? Talk a little bit about that in the situation that you're in with, with everyone working remotely. Yeah. So this is uh, one I'm passionate about. So you'll have to jump in if I'm going too deep on this one. But I think uh, results-driven environment is a really great thing for the type of work that much of us do. I'll get into a little bit about what results-driven environment is but I think it's interesting to think that much of the way that we structure our workday and the way that we work really was born out of the manufacturing age and a time when businesses really drove their growth through optimizing the productivity in their factories and having people working nine to five or shift work and making sure that they were continually pumping out their widgets was important but the type of work that we do nowadays is much different and I don't think necessarily fits well into a nine to five kind of scheme for everybody. Not, not everybody does their best work in nine to five or standard time across the board in the company. I think back to our early days when I was doing a lot of coding, I didn't start really doing my best work till four or 5 PM. And I would often work until two or three in the morning. And if the company was forcing me to come in nine to five, it wouldn't be the, my most productive time. And I wouldn't, generate the best results. So I think setting up a results-driven environment helps give people the flexibility to do their best work when they can do their best work. And it, it really comes down, I think, to getting crystal clear on expectations in the business and in the roles that you have in your business. And that's kind of how we had gotten there was for every role in market circle, we have what we call a scorecard, which clearly defines what our expectations are from that role. There's some KPIs that measure the productivity of a person in that role that has a grade on core values. So we talk through core values for every single role with every single person in the business, another way to help make sure the culture is there. And then a list of core competencies that we feel are really important to have to be successful in this role. And so having this sort of framework and a way to measure productivity not subjectively like many companies do when you're in the office and you're walking around and talking and seeing people doing stuff, but having a bit more of a scientific approach to it, I think gives the employees the comfort to have that flexibility in how they schedule their time and what they're doing and also makes people in a leadership role feel more comfortable that people are getting the work done that needs to get done. So I think having the right tools in place is really important to facilitate having a results-driven environment. And then you still need to have some guidance to make sure that collaboration still happens. You know, if somebody's working all the time in the evenings and never popping in during the day, but some of the team works in the morning, you still need to sort of facilitate them being able to meet and collaborate. But I think you get a lot more productivity out of people when they have a little bit more autonomy over how they structure their workday. And that scorecard really has allowed us to feel comfortable in letting people do that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, I think honestly, though, it's going to be a shift. It's going to be a mind shift for a lot of firms. But I think mm -hmm. you provided a lot of good information there about it can be done. Yeah. You know, the, 
the world and, and how we work has, has shifted. We're no longer tied to a factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're right. I think there's opportunity. And, and maybe if we look for silver linings, which I always try to do, maybe that's a silver lining that we find out of the pandemic that there is a way to remain productive or become even more productive and efficient if you're willing to make some of these mindset shifts. So I want to get back to the beginning of the episode because we touched briefly on your CRM software, Daylight, which, as you know, is the CRM we use here at Life and Legacy as well as ARIA Benefits. And I think most people would agree that technology has become even more important since COVID-19 arrived this year. I know for Al and I, our own experience, we've really learned to use our CRM to become a lot more efficient in the way we work as a team. Can you maybe talk to us about how software like Daylight can help clients or you know customers keep on top of service, sales, even engagement with their clients? Yeah, certainly. I think running your business successfully requires similar things to doing anything successfully in life. I think it really comes down to discipline and consistency. Getting into shape requires the discipline to consistently adhere to a nutrition and workout plan. Saving for a big purchase or retirement requires discipline to stick to a budget and consistently do this over time. And running the business is very similar. You have to be disciplined about certain things and do them consistently over time to see success. And a tool like Daylight, a CRM, is like kind of like the magic sauce in driving that discipline and making sure you're staying consistent with all these types of things you need to do to run your business. So it's a secret weapon, I think, in, <laughs> in running our businesses in a way, right? So I don't have to keep all these things in my head. I don't have to try and connect all these dots continually in my head. I can put them in a place where they're going to be all tracked. Daylight is an interesting CRM because it's a bit broader than the general CRM. We do the customer relationship management. We do sales management. We also do project management and task management and scheduling. So we'd like to put everything to do with kind of running your business in one space. And that allows you to have all these different dots connected. For example, this podcast, I had an appointment in my calendar for this podcast and I had linked to it. The email Al sent me with the link to join this call so that we could record this. I had a reminder in there a few days ago on a task to you know, get my head straight for this podcast. And so I think having a place to put all these types of things in a way that you can be consistently uh, reviewing them and making sure that you're getting the things done you need to get done is really obviously important in running your business. And a tool like Daylight can help facilitate that. I find that really interesting, your comments, because I always relate my business back to, I'm a lifelong martial artist. You and I have talked about that offline. And mm. You know, how did I get from a white belt to a blue belt to a purple belt? Well, it was showing up every day, doing things consistently, practicing things over and over. And that's how I see doing the business. I show up every day, I do the right things, and the business is going to grow. Daylight just allows me to do that a lot more efficiently than any other tool I've ever found, right? And I've talked to Al about this and my other business partner, Joe. I find that I am just so much more efficient And again, I go back to, we were scratching the surface with daylight for many, many years. And now as I find through your videos, as I find, oh, it can do this. Oh, it can do this. And I'm an early bird. And you're you're talking about coding at, you know, 5 p.m. I'm an early bird and I'll be on my laptop at 7 a.m. And from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., the amount of information that I can process, use my CRM, and it's exactly what you said. All that information is there. It's an email. It's a task. I can delegate things right from there to my assistant. So it's an incredibly valuable tool. 
And I'm kind of at the point where I don't know what I, I would do without it. So mm. kudos to you guys for setting up such a great program. Mike, I want to say thanks so much for coming on the show. I think our listeners are going to find this one really useful, especially considering the times. What's the best way to, if people want to reach out to you or they want to find out more about Daylight and what it can do for the business, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, I mean, just learning more about the business in Daylight, our website, marketcircle.com is a great place. You can go there, learn about the product, sign up for a free trial. If you want to get in contact with me specifically, maybe LinkedIn would be the best place to connect there. And yeah, I want to thank you for having me on the show today. It's been a lot of fun talking. I always like talking about businessy type stuff. <laughs> I can nerd out over that any day. So I really appreciate you having me on the show. For sure. And we'll echo that back to you. And I know, I know a lot of our other business owner clients like to nerd out on their businesses too. <laughs> so I'm sure they'll enjoy it. So that does it for today, folks. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I sure did. We'll be back again with another episode soon. Until then, remember, it all starts with one. Oh,